Brothers and sisters, we come to message two. Maybe we could just pray a little bit. Oh Lord Jesus, we love you. How we thank you that you are such an all-inclusive one. Right from the start, we just would like to confess that we don't experience you enough, that we don't know you in all these ways. Lord, but we like we're here today because we want to enter in. We want to know you. We want to know you in the most detailed way. Lord, be with us, even help us to apply you. Lord, in every situation, we would come to know you as the all-inclusive Christ. We could boldly testify, my Christ, my Christ is all-inclusive. I worship him, I praise him, I thank him. He's everything to me. Lord, we don't want that to be just a slogan. We want that to be our experience. We pray now in this session, you'd open our eyes again, flow in us, flow through us, speak through us, and shine on each one of us. We do love you, Lord, and we give you this time. Amen. Well, saints, we come to second second message, and uh, before we start on the second message, there's a few things I'd just like to continue from message one about the good land, the all-inclusive Christ. Just remind you that there is only one type in the Old Testament that really presents to us an all-inclusive Christ. There are many types. There's so many, and there's so many ways for us to experience the Lord, and so many ways for us to enjoy Him. But this type, this is a special type, because out of our enjoyment of Christ as the good land, the kingdom is brought into, into being. And the church as the house of God, the temple of God, is built up. If we don't know Christ as the all-inclusive Christ, then the church could never be built up. And so this is why we're burdened for this. This is why we're desperate for this, that all the brothers and sisters would enter into and enjoy such an all-inclusive Christ. You know, today as I'm considering this, this topic and I'm with you and I'm with the Lord A hymn comes to mind. It's hymn number 510. Hymn 510, such an awesome hymn on the all-inclusive Christ. Enjoyment of Christ as everything. It starts off with, I found the one of peerless worth. My heart doth sing for joy and sing I must for Christ I have. Oh, what a Christ have I. And then over the next 15 verses, 60 items of Christ, at least 60 items of Christ are brought forth. And it ends with, since such a treasure I possess, my heart does sing for joy and sing I must and sing uh, again. For what a Christ have I. I was considering this hymn and the writer, the author, the composer of this hymn, he says, my Christ, my Christ. Uh, not just Christ in a doctrinal way. He says, my Christ, the all-inclusive one, my Christ, what shall I call? He is the first, he is the last, my Christ is all in all. I just love how personal it is. You know, we can sing the hymn, we can enjoy the hymn, and we're touched by it. 
But could we write a hymn like that? Could we write a hymn on the items of Christ that we ourselves have enjoyed, that we ourselves have experienced? This is really the burden this weekend in this conference is that we would aspire, we would desire, we would pursue to know Christ in his all-inclusiveness. Um, so even uh, a few items from the last message realize there were key key points. Number one, we have to have this Christ. We have to receive him, be regenerated, be born again, and receive our allotted portion of the saints in the light. This is number one. We have to have this Christ. And I believe every one of us, as real believers in Christ, we have such a Christ. Then the second thing is that we need to realize what we have. We need to realize that the Christ we have is all-inclusive. He's everything. He's all in all. These are not just slogans for us. He's everything to me. He's all in all. You know, even in the church, we saw there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no bond, no free, barbarian, Scythian, but Christ is all and in all. Brothers and sisters, our Christ has to become enlarged in us, expanded in us. And then the third thing, after we have Christ, we realize Christ, now we need to apply him. And as we apply him, how do we apply him? We apply him with short prayers. Lord, you're my real food. Lord, you be the real husband. Lord, you be the real dad. I don't know how to be a dad. You be the real dad. I don't know how to be a wife. I don't know how to how to be a loving husband. I don't know how to be a proper wife. Lord, you be my wife. You be the way. You be my way. It it so many we need so many short conversations, just brief prayers, breathing prayers. Lord, you do this. You be this. And then the last thing I just would like to mention, <clears throat> and that is, you know, the all the good land of Canaan, the good land, you know, that the Lord referred to again and again, good land, good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's interesting, in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, this land is also referred to as the rest. It's con- it's called a rest. You know, that we need to be diligent to enter into that rest. If Joshua had brought you into the rest, why are you still needing another rest? So that indicates that the land of Canaan that Joshua brought the children of Israel into was not the real rest, but the Sabbath that the Lord wants to bring us into is equal to and includes the all-inclusive Christ. The all-inclusive Christ is the land of Canaan, the good land, the land flowing with milk and honey, and is the Sabbath rest. It's amazing. Rest and good land are the same. They're just the same. What does that mean? 
It means this, is that when you begin to experience Christ as everything, you end up in a situation of rest. You know, so much of our lives are in turmoil. There's so much anxiety, so much stress, so many demands, so much pulling on us in many directions. And the Lord says, come to me, all who toil and are burdened. I will give you rest. You see, the Lord, as the all-inclusive Christ, is the place where we go with every anxiety, every trouble, every conflict, every unhappiness, and we go there and he becomes rest to us. We need this experience, saints. We really do. We really need this experience. Well, in this message, we come to two aspects of Christ, two aspects of the all-inclusive Christ that are really precious. They are really good. And it's under the heading of the goodness of the land. You know, when the Lord said, it's a good land. It's a good land. Well, how is it good? What is the goodness of this land? Why would you say it's good? It's good in what way? Well, in this message, we have it's good in two ways. It's good in its spaciousness, and it's good in its ascendancy. Okay? One of the verses that we have on our verse sheet is um, uh, Exodus 3.8. We read it. Uh, I'll read it again. And I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, so now the Lord says, he describes what kind of a good land it is. It's a good and spacious land. It's good in its spaciousness. Well, okay, so what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, let's read. Um, well, before before we get to spaciousness, that's Roman 2. I need to read Roman 1. Unless we are able to realize Christ as the land, we are lacking. We must see that there is much more than what we have experienced of Christ. This is really true. I mentioned this in my opening point, that we have to have him, we have to realize him, We have to apply him. And the fourth thing, we have to experience him. If we apply him, we will experience him. So here we are. If we are unable, if we don't realize that he could be rest to us, that he could be our peace, that he could be our satisfaction, we won't apply him for that. We'll we'll apply something else. We'll go to our husband for satisfaction or we'll go to our bank account or to our education, or to our natural talents. We find all kinds of replacements. But Christ wants to be everything to us, and we have to realize that he is everything to us. And then we apply him, and then we experience him. We just have to realize, saints, there's so much more. There's, so, there's a universe. 
So much more to experience. Amen. Roman 2. This land is good, first of all, in its spaciousness. It is a good and spacious land. Hey, the measurements of Christ. Okay, what are the measurements of Christ? Well, you know, if you go to Israel and you measure out how many miles it's this way, how many miles is that way, you wouldn't call it spacious. Maybe, maybe Russia. Oh my goodness, have you seen how big Russia is? Now that is spacious. Or you come to Texas. What a state. I mean, if I'm driving from Houston to Los Angeles, it takes 24 hours. And the first 12 hours of driving, you're still in Texas. This is a big, spacious land. But that's not what what the Bible's talking about when it says it's good and spacious. You look at it physically, you think, well, you know, it's really not that big. It's only like 50 miles apart, you know, uh, wide and about 100 miles tall. You know, I really don't know. But that's not like Texas spacious or Russia spacious. Have you seen the continent of Africa? My goodness, that's big. Well, it's spacious in its type. Okay? The type tells us it's the reality is so big, so spacious, so large. So you have to come back to Christ. This Christ, what are his dimensions? How big is this Christ? Well, in Ephesians chapter 3, we have a verse in chapter 3, verse 18. After Christ makes his home in our hearts, we're full, rooted and grounded in love. We're full of strength. To apprehend with all the saints. Apprehend means you lay hold of it. You you grasp it with all the saints. We need everybody, all the members of the body of Christ to lay hold of this Christ who's making his home in your heart. And what do we apprehend? We apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, What is the height and what is the depth? You know, it doesn't tell you how high, how deep, how broad, how long. It just says the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Because there's no measurement. It's exhaustless. It's like the universe, saints. If you said, what are the dimensions of the universe. You know, the, the telescopes, the biggest, greatest telescopes cannot see to the end of this universe. You just have to say, oh, the universe is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. <laughs> this is our Christ. He's unlimited in any direction. You want to go north? You go north, They call it light years. Light years is a long way. It's how many many miles you can travel in a year at the speed of light. My goodness, it's immeasurable. This is Christ. This good land is good in its spaciousness. How high is your Christ? How deep is he? How broad is he? What's the length? Say, okay, 
this this maybe sounds like maybe not 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 practical but just let's just fellowship here a little bit point b when we know that the lord is unlimited we can be at peace and cast all our burden upon him taking the lord as our unlimited help. You know, this one word, immeasurable, or this one word, unlimited, that word can describe the breadth. It's unlimited. The length, unlimited. The height, unlimited. The depth, unlimited. We have a hymn in our hymn book that talks about sounding out the depth of God's love. Who can sound it out? You know, in in uh, shipping, they the ship uh, captains and and the people that drive the ships, they don't want to crash uh, or or cause their ship or boat to get stuck. So they put out what they call soundings to see how deep is the water and whether it's deep enough for their boat. To go there. So they do soundings. And they'll do a sounding. I don't know how they do that. But they can measure. Oh, we only have so many meters. And we can only go this far. Because we're going to hit. We're going to run aground. We're going to get stuck. But. Have you ever tried to sound. The depth. Of God's love. How deep is it? How far does it go? It has to go very, very far because we as sinners have fallen so low. We've done things. We've thought things. We've said things. We, we, we're so low, so fallen. How fallen are we? We're fallen, oh, not just to the ground. We're fallen to the bottom, to the bottom. And God's love so deep you can't you can't measure it because it reached us it reached us and it picked us up and it got us and it brought us up to himself you want to test out you want to know the depths of Christ that's how deep he is unlimited Okay, so we appreciate that. We love that. It even caused our tears to fall. But now, maybe you're married. And you've been in marriage for a long time. And it's getting harder. The children are difficult. Your husband's difficult. It just seems I don't have any more love in me. I don't have the way to love my husband anymore. I loved him in the beginning, but that love is gone. So how deep is your love? Not that deep. Not that, um, not, it's very limited. You just say it's limited. Well, that's right when we need to apply the spaciousness of the good land. Say, Lord, your love has no measure. Even the Bible tells us that God is love. You could say that love is a universe. 
in its size. It's an ocean. You can't measure it. And Lord, I apply your love to my husband, to my wife, to my children, to the sinners around me. Lord, I apply you as love. Because my love is so limited. You are the unlimited one. This is how we begin to experience Christ in his spaciousness. Isn't that precious? When we know the Lord is unlimited, we can be at peace. Cast all our burden upon him and take the Lord as our unlimited help. If we want to have an increasing experience of Christ, we must be ready to meet worse situations day by day. You think, oh man, this is bad. This is the worst thing I've ever had to go through. But you have to understand something. For us to experience the all-inclusive Christ, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens in difficulties. It happens when we've reached the end. It happens when we have no more patience, no more kindness, no more tolerance. We have no more endurance. That's when the all-inclusive Christ becomes real to us. That's when his unlimited forgiveness, his unlimited sympathy, all his unlimitedness can be experienced by us. But if we're sitting at home in our, in our easy chair with all the money, with all our wife loves us, submits to us, pours out on us, our children obey, our children are the best, uh, we're proud, we're the president of the company, we're, everything is good. I drive a Mercedes, I, I, uh, everything is good, everything is good. Then I, I have no need for Christ. But if I lose my job, oh, this happened, saints. I, I lost my job. One day, this is some years ago, I was working and uh, the president of the company called me up and he says, Tom, we're going to have to let you go. <laughs> I just, I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I was sitting at my desk. I put my pen down, pushed my chair back. I stood up. I laughed. And I went out and I took a walk and I just contacted my Christ. And for 30 minutes, I was conversing. I was opening. I was at peace. I knew everything was under his control. Uh, Saints, we have to learn how to experience by applying him in every situation. So don't expect better situations. Maybe we should realize worse situations are there. By personal contact with him, we may realize the extent, the expanse of Christ. Now, not one of us can experience all the things that humanity has to pass through. But together, we experience everything. So when I give you an experience, you know, a number of years ago, uh, and sorry to talk about myself, uh, my dear eldest daughter passed away. We passed through a 
such a suffering time. Well, by our passing through that, and by our applying Christ, and by our, we're not just gaining Christ, we're experiencing Him, applying Him, and enjoying Him. But something is now flowing out from us to the body, so that we all don't have to experience that. We all don't have to go through that, because we're in the body, we're joined to you with one another, and so what I experience flows to you in the body and becomes part of the supply that flows from member to member. So you have your portion, I have mine, I have my experiences of being uh, so limited, and then I apply Christ. You have your experience, you have your assignment, you have your marriage or your kids or your job or your health. All of these situations are just for us to dig into this good land and experience Christ in a fresh way. Okay? So then, <clears throat> so then uh, we come to the next point. Point D. Our love and goodness and patience are limited. The love and goodness and patience of Christ can never be exhausted. No doubt, you're in a situation right now that is exhausting. Sometimes you get up and you just say to yourself, I cannot take another day of this. I just can't do this. I can't do this anymore. Well, your patience, your endurance, your love, all that you have is limited. But this good land is spacious. It's unlimited. Go, walk, tread in these parts of the good land. Let me give you a little testimony and not to linger here too long because we have another aspect to talk about. Um, some years ago and still, even till today, I began to practice something. When I got up in the morning, as many of you know, I always like to take a walk in the morning. I took a walk this morning. I, <laughs> I, I love it. It's just me and the Lord. It's me and my dear, all-inclusive Christ. But what I would do and this, was, this went on for a number of years as, as a definite kind of exercise for me, was this. I would just, as I was opening myself to the Lord and emptying out my trouble, my conflicts, my grief, my unhappiness, I would just learn to open up that one thing that was bothering me today. Seems like almost every day there was something. It either was something with my wife or my children. Something, you know, by that time I'm serving full time. So I, it had to do with the brothers. Sometimes I felt left out. I wanted to be a part of a kind of coordination and I wasn't included. And that, that hurt. And so there were these little hurts. Sometimes the brothers would say something. And it cut it cut me a little bit it 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 kind of was directed at me and it it hurt so i learned in the morning 
to contact the Lord with what was bothering me. Now, you have to realize, if it's bothering you, it means you're limited. It means you don't have enough grace. You don't have enough Christ. You don't have enough God. You don't have enough good land to deal with it. So I was learning how to open up these things. I say, Lord, why why am I bothered about that? Why does that trouble me? Why does what he said cause me to be unhappy? And as I would converse with the Lord like this, I was applying him. He was coming into me. I was emptying out my sorrow, my sadness, my unhappiness, my wounds. And he was filling me with himself, with his satisfaction, his peace, his rest. And it was gone. It was just gone. (laughs) Practice. Apply it. Try it. You know, the all-inclusive Christ has all the all-inclusiveness of Christ is in the Spirit now. It's in the Spirit. Apply it. So how do you apply it? You apply it by saying it. Lord, I take you as my patience. I take you as my love. I take you. I'm exhausted. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a wife. But I apply you. You be the best husband. You be the best wife. Amen. So we will learn that there's a difference between my love and the love of God, my patience and the patience of Christ. There's a big difference. You know, because I was made in the image of God, I have the shell, you could say, or the glove of love, but I don't have the content. And this shell, this image, has no substance without Christ. And so I need Christ to be my love. You know, I don't know of any husband or wife that didn't get hurt. You know, when you get married, that's one of the things you do. You open yourself up to be hurt in the deepest way. No one can hurt you deep more deeply than your husband or your wife. Sorry, I'm sorry to say this, use this example. But I'll tell you something. Christ can be our forgiveness. You know how delightful he was on the cross as he was forgiving the ones that hurt him most deeply? He said, Father, forgive them. I believe the Father answered his prayer. Even Stephen said the same thing when he was being stoned. He said, forgive them. God, in Christ, as the Spirit, is rich and boundless in his forgiveness. Even to the point he forgets. And so we need to apply the forgetting, forgiving, forgetting Christ to every hurt every wound. You know what? When you do that, you'll find out it's gone. It's gone. Then you experience another aspect of his spaciousness. Point E. There can never be a a problem that is bigger than Christ. There can never be a situation that he cannot cover.
my brothers and sisters, this is really, this is really uh, precious. And how I long within me that we could know Christ like this. I'm thinking of the ones that have passed before us, the ones who have uh, pioneered all of these things. I'm thinking of Watchman Nee and how he spent 20 years, the last 20 years of his life in prison. You know, I was in the church in Los Angeles at the time when Brother Nee died. And I do remember hearing that the brothers in Los Angeles were preparing to bring Watchman Nee to Los Angeles as soon as he was released from prison. They were going to seek the government authority and, and officials to see if they would let him leave the country and come to Los Angeles to live out his final days. How we all wished we could have met Watchman Nee. We never got to meet him. But just a few days before his release, he, was, he died in his prison. He died in his prison cell. You think, you know what? 20 years. Why, why 20 years? Why not just 20 days or 20 minutes? If he's not getting out, Lord, why leave him there for so long? I don't think any martyr of the Lord suffered like that. Do you think he even had one good day? Do you think any one day was comfortable? Do you think he was fed richly? Did he have a feast? Did he have a nice big meal? 20 years, no. And he never got out. But what? You know what? We all have the assurance. His testimony, although he couldn't say much, he couldn't say about the Lord, he couldn't say Jesus, he couldn't say Christ or the Spirit or God, but he did say this, I maintained my joy. Wow, what a testimony. Now you're in a tough situation. You're in a prison. Maybe you've been married for 20 years. Oh, forgive me. I don't want to talk bad about marriage. You know, I've been married uh, next week. Uh, actually, next week will be 49 years. And it hasn't been uh, just wonderful the whole time. So don't misunderstand me. Marriage is precious. But marriage will bring us into a situation where we need to experience the unlimited Christ. Christ in his spaciousness. This is the first, first item of the goodness of the land is his spaciousness. He's unlimited. There can never be a problem bigger than Christ. Christ is such a spacious land for us to experience and enjoy in every situation. So the real trick is, the real secret, is to learn how to apply him. Apply him by conversing with him, by speaking with him, by, by short prayers. Lord, you speak. Lord, you answer this question. Lord, you, please, love my child, this child. You know that one. <laughs> you know that one. You know, we don't all get this whole big clan of wonderful children. There's always going to be at least one. 
And you need the unlimited Jesus for that one. Well, let's go on to Romans 3. Let's see another item. This is the land of Canaan is good for its ascendancy. Oh, so what is, it, what is this? Uh, you know, there's some verses here I'd like to read. Um, the first one is uh, Ezekiel 34, verses 13 to 15. Uh, it's on your verse sheet. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. And I will feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them with good pasture and their dwelling place will be upon the mountains of the heights of Israel. There they will lie down in a good dwelling place, and on, on rich pasture they will feed upon the mountains of Israel. I myself will shepherd my flock and will cause them to lie down, declares the Lord Jehovah. <clears throat> okay, three times in these three verses, it mentions the mountains of Israel, the mountains of the heights of Israel, and the mountains of Israel. There's something about this good land that is high. It is the ascendancy. So we have the spaciousness and the ascendancy of the good land. So <clears throat> you could say that the good land is how broad the breadth and the length. Now we're going to touch the height, the height. You know, uh, again, Israel is not uh, a land of high mountains. Again, in California, where I grew up, there's the largest mountain. You could see it from my house. <clears throat> uh, in the whole continental United States, Mount Whitney, uh, 14,000 feet. That's nearly uh, 5,000 meters, very tall, very high. But Israel is only about 3,800 feet. It's only about 1,300 meters. It's not high, 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 high like that. But the type is the height, the height, the heights. Oh, it is a high, high land. It's the mountains of the heights of Israel. You know, the Lord when he wanted to unveil to the disciples the vision of the church. He took them out of Jerusalem to Caesarea Philippi, to a mountain. It seems like on the mountain, the air is clear. The sky is blue. All the fog is gone. All the smog is gone. And you can have a clear vision. And in the top of the mountain, you see things. You re re receive things. It's there. That is what the Lord wanted. So the land of Canaan is good for its ascendancy. A, the land of Canaan is a high land, a mountainous and high country with seas on both sides, which represent death. 
<laughs> okay. Israel is this little piece of land. Sorry I say little. It's an all-inclusive Christ. And on this side is the Mediterranean Sea. On this side is the Dead Sea. All the way across the top is the river Euphrates. It seems all surrounding this land is water. And water has two two significances in the Bible. One represents living water, like the Spirit, but another type of the water is a type of death, like baptism, or like the flood, or like God's judgment in Genesis. Well, when you have the Mediterranean Sea here and the Dead Sea here, you can see that this land is just coming up out of the death water. It is something that is rising up, that is ascending. It's coming up out of death. Saints, okay, are you able to come up out of death? No doubt we're surrounded with death all the time. Oh, the world, with all the worldly cares, all the financial, all the political, all the entertainments, everything is killing us. We are under the constant attack of death. But let me tell you, this all-inclusive Christ is an elevated land. It's, it's called that. It's beautiful in elevation, beautiful in its height, beautiful in its coming up out of all kinds of death. Saints, this, this represents the resurrection and ascension of Christ. Okay, the high land typifies the resurrected Christ, the ascended Christ. Outside of him, there is nothing but death. You know, sometimes we get ourselves into a situation where we lose our temper, or we argue, or we fight. We get upset. We get in our mood. Oh my goodness, we're in our mood. And where are we? We're in the Mediterranean Sea. That's where we are. And if we're not in the Mediterranean Sea, we're in the Dead Sea. Dead Sea, that's a good name for it. Uh, And the River Jordan flows into the Dead Sea. And so we're in this situation of death. We're just dead. We wake up in the morning and we're dead. We've been sleeping in the Dead Sea. And, And right away, we have to come to this all-inclusive Christ. And it's like you're getting on a, on, a, on a ladder and you're going from the bottom to the top. Just like that. It's like an elevator right to the top. Brothers and sisters, every morning we have to get in that elevator and we have to go to the height. Go to the top of the mountain, to the heights of Israel. This is to enter into Christ in his resurrection and Christ in his ascension. Uh, during these days, uh, there has been a lot of burden within me for you all and for the churches in Germany, for the Lord's move in Europe, for this pandemic that's affecting all of us. We know that Satan's attack is to attack the move of God on the earth. We know the time is short. The church is being built. The bride is being prepared The overcomers are rising up. The new man is coming into being. We know the age is ending. 
And so Satan is doing everything in his power to cause chaos, division, frustration, sickness, pestilence, everything to stop the gospel, to stop the ministry, to stop the church life, to frustrate every part of our existence. And he wants to stop us. He wants to kill us. He wants us to be dead. He wants us to remain in ourself, in our pitiful situation. But let me tell you, saints, we need to experience Christ in his ascendancy. I can tell you this. Every morning, when I go out on my walk, I'm only just a few, maybe a hundred meters up the street. And already, I'm telling the Lord, Lord, I'm one with you. You are on the throne. You are seated high and and far above all, and I'm seated with you. I resurrected with you. I ascended with you. I'm now one with you in the heavenlies. I'm not here on the earth. I'm not in Texas. I'm not in the USA. I'm in the heavens. I'm seated with you in the heavenly places. Like it says in Colossians, set your mind on the things above not on the things which are on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Wow, that's where I am. Saints, we need to experience this. We need this experience to get into that elevator and go go up. Sometimes we try to pray from a low position, and we end up praying begging prayers. Mercy prayers. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. It's so low, so low. But he's not down here. He's there. We have to go there to be with him. You know, when you're with the Lord in his ascendancy, you're above everything. You look down on the clouds. You look down on the earth. Politicians don't bother you. The pandemic doesn't bother you. Nothing can frustrate you. Nothing can hold you back. Because you're far above all. You're higher than the heavens. Brothers and sisters, we need these kind of experiences. We need to fly. We need to soar. You know, look at <clears throat> look at the disciples. They came together for 10 days and they prayed And then the day of Pentecost came and the spirit was poured out and they broke out into the streets. They went out into the center of Jerusalem and they rose up and they began to speak. And their speaking was not common speaking. They weren't just joking around. They were not uh, speaking low things or political things or uh, current events. They were speaking from the throne. Peter stood up. He's this unlearned fisherman, never went to school. All he knows how to do is throw a net into the water and pull up fish. He's an unlearned Galilean. He's from a poor country, poor part of the country. He's from the bad side of town. And there he is. I don't think he had a tie on. I don't think he had a white shirt on. He probably had his fishing, fishing clothes on. And he stands up and he's looking down and all those people were there. The rulers were there. The Sanhedrin was down there. The chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, even Herod, even Pontius Pilate. 
They all were under him. They were all down there. And he said, the one, the author of life, you betrayed, you denied, and you crucified. Wow, where was Peter? Peter, you say, oh, he was full of the Spirit. Of course he was full of the Spirit. He had the Spirit poured on him, but he was in ascension. He was not in his mood. He wasn't in his feeling. He wasn't in in himself. Brothers and sisters, we need to experience the ascendancy of this good land. This all-inclusive Christ is good in his ascendancy. Don't wait for this. Don't think, oh, when I mature, after I've known the Lord for 40 years, maybe I could have this experience. No, Peter didn't have. He got saved, and then 10 days later, he's, he's doing that. This is, this is altogether something for us right now. For us right now. Point C, the disciples in Acts were in the ascended Christ, surpassing the highest rank of man. They were walking in him, living on this high mountain, in this high land. You know, even uh, we have the story in Acts 7 of Stephen being stoned. And there he was in front of the Sanhedrin. This is like the Supreme Court. This is like the ones that could go like this and you die. And there he was. And he was opening up the scriptures from Genesis all the way to the present time. He was showing them how Christ was portrayed throughout the whole Bible and that they crucified him. Oh, they, he accused them. He judged them. He, he condemned them. And they, they said they were gnashing on him with their teeth. He was so high. He was way up here. And they were way down there. And he was soaring. He was soaring. And then it says they, they grabbed him. They took him outside. And they began to stone him with stones. And it says that he looking up into heaven seeing the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Even in dying, he was flying. Saints, I don't think any of us got stoned. I don't think any of us have been in prison. I don't, maybe some, I don't know. And we have not suffered anything like these, these press. But they were on the heights of Israel. They were in the, all, the ascendancy of the all-inclusive Christ. You know, Brother Lee told us his story when he was uh, in Chifu after the Japanese army invaded and took over northern China and they were under the occupation of the Japanese army. And there was a revival going on in Chifu at the time. And this was very interesting to the Japanese. They couldn't understand why these people were so excited and why they were meeting. They met every day for a hundred days and they were pouring out their their money, their goods, their properties. It was like Pentecost. And so they arrested Brother Lee and they put him in prison and they put him in a solitary confinement because they were afraid that he could communicate, that he could send out messages, that he was this powerful, dynamic, charismatic leader. They didn't realize he's just an uneducated Chinese guy. And anyway, they interrogated him every day for three weeks, from 9 in the morning till noon, and then from 2.30 till 6 p.m. And they were trying to get information from him. They wanted to know the names of people in his congregation and whether they were for the government, if they were soldiers, if they were this or that. And Brother Lee told us, he said, the Japanese hated the Chinese and they would kill them 
just like they would kill a chicken. And so every day he's facing the prospect that at any moment he could be killed. (laughs) But he said he was just there and he was... He was, he was there. He was reigning there. He was far above them. He was talking down to them. Finally, they didn't know what to do with him. Actually, in another place, he, they told us how he was being, even being tortured. It was terrible. But then, <clears throat> finally, towards the end, after three weeks, they called him in. And they said, what, is, what do you believe is first? Is your country first? Or is your God first? And this was to test him. Because if he said country first, then that would make him an enemy. And if he said God first, that would make him a crazy superstitious man. And so he uh, he waited, he lingered, he didn't answer. And they said, answer quick, 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 quick. Tell us, tell us, what's first? And so the more they said quick to him, the more he just waited. <laughs> he was reigning. He was reigning there. And then finally he said, God is first. God is first. And so they said, okay, since God is first, uh, we won't provide any more food for you. Uh, your God can feed you. And let's see, let's see if your God will feed you. So he just smiled at them. He went back to his prison cell and he waited. Well, that afternoon, <clears throat> another prisoner was added to the to the uh, to the prison, and since he was a Greek man, uh, thinking that Brother Lee couldn't communicate, they thought Brother Lee didn't know English. They didn't think he he knew only Chinese. So they put this Greek man in the cell with him, and uh, so now there's a Greek man and uh, Brother Lee, and they both knew a little English, so they could converse. Well, when dinner time came, the uh, the guard came with one plate with some bread and milk and he he pointed to the Greek and he handed it to the Greek guy and then he pointed to Brother Lee and he says, <laughs> your God has to feed you. So uh, they sat down to eat and the Greek man asked him, he said, why aren't they giving you any food? And he said, well, because this is what happened, this is what happened. And, and the Greek man said, Oh, you have to have some of my food. You have to have some of my food. You can't. You're suffering for Christ. So he he gave his food to Brother Lee to eat. So then the next day when they called him in to uh, interrogate him again, they asked him, did your God feed you? And he could only smile and nod his head. Yes, my God fed me. Brothers and sisters, we all need experiences like this where... We are just soaring. I, I had I had some, and you know, some of my experiences. I don't want to talk about them. I, it's not like I've been to the third heaven like Paul, but I've been in situations that were very difficult, so pressing, so pressing, and the Lord met me, and I just realized I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm up here, and all those things are down here. I was on a high mountain. Point D, we need to experience and apply the ascended Christ. Here we have those words again, experience and apply. Circle them, experience and apply. This is a theme this whole weekend. 
and even beyond. It's on applying, experiencing and applying. In the midst of threatening situations, Christ can be everything to us. When we contact and experience him, we too are ascended, transcendent. You know, I think some of our uh, dear Farsi-speaking saints, when they were in front of the judge giving their testimony at their hearing for their positive answer, they were there. They were up here. They were, they were flying. They were ascended. They were talking down to the judge. I don't mean talking down in a bad way. I just mean the judge was under their feet. They were reigning there. We, we should experience this. We should apply Christ in these kind of threatening and very pressing situations. Just say, Lord, I'm joined to you in your ascension. I'm in the heights at the top of the mountain right now. Point two, whenever we feel depressed in spirit or in heart, we must learn how to apply the ascended Christ to our situation. We must contact Christ immediately and say, I do not agree to be depressed by any kind of situation. I have the ascended Christ. I am in the ascended Christ. Saints, this is really, this is practical. We all have our mood. We all have these kind of emotions. We have our sadness. We have our disappointments. Even we get depressed. And we have to say this. I don't agree by being to be depressed by any kind of situation. I have the ascended Christ. I'm in the ascended Christ. This is where I am. Lord, you're far above all. Me too. I'm far above all with you. Point three, we need to learn, we need to learn to meet such situations with the exercise of our spirit and of our faith. Praying, fighting prayers to contact the ascended Christ. This will release the spirit of others and bring them into the heavens. Testimony, saints, you experience this and then you have a little fellowship you will bring them into the very place where you are. (laughs) You're in the heavens, they're in the heavens because they're with you. Brothers, all of our experiences are for the body. What I experience, what I pass through, what I experience, what I enjoy, what I apply of Christ flows from me to you. It's not just for me. It's not for my spirituality it's for your supplies, for your enjoyment. So we have to exercise our faith. Lord, you're the ascended one. I ascended with you. I don't agree with this kind of low situation. I'm one with you in the heavens. By doing this, you bring them, you bring others around you, with you, into the heavens. And finally, point E, by experiencing Christ as the ascended one, we will, we will be enabled to serve the Lord. We will be accepted by the Lord and have excellent fellowship with him. How do we serve the Lord? Some of us, we've served for many years. I've served 25 years. How do you do it? By being one with Christ, by applying him. When you get onto this good land, your crops become offerings. Your cattle become sacrifices. 
You become part of the building. It's all for the church. It's all for the body of Christ. Everything. So how do we serve? We're enabled to serve. And whatever we produce is accepted by the Lord. And uh, brings us into sweet and excellent fellowship with Him. Maybe I'll end with these verses from Ezekiel chapter 20. For on my holy mountain, on the mountain of the height of Israel, declares the Lord Jehovah. This is Ezekiel 20, 40 to 42. There will be, there will the whole house of Israel, all of them serve me in the land. There will I accept them and there will I require your contributions and the first fruits of your offerings with all your holy things. It says, there will I accept them. There will I receive your first fruits. It's there that we offer up Christ. As a sweet savor, I will accept you when I bring you out from the peoples. We need to be brought out from all of our situations and gather you from the countries among which you have been scattered. The enemy wants to scatter us everywhere by the things that happen to us. But and I will be sanctified in you in the sight of the nations. And you will know that I am Jehovah when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the land concerning which I lifted up my hand to give to your fathers. This is the mountains of Israel. Saints, Paul said this, in all these things we more than conquer. Through Christ, through him, through Christ, we can more than conquer. Paul said, I've learned how to be abased. I know how to abound in everything and in all things. I can be in the top of the mountain. I can be in the valley. In everything, I can be rich. I can be poor. In everything and all things, I've learned the secret. Saints, the secret is to apply Christ. Short prayers, breathing prayers, simple prayers. Lord, I take you as my endurance. I take you as my love. Lord, I'm standing with you. I'm I'm in the heavens with you. This all-inclusive Christ is a good land. It's good in its spaciousness, its unlimitedness, and it's good in its ascendancy. Saints, I'll end my message here. May the Lord bring us into all these experiences, and may we all richly enter into this practice of applying and experiencing Christ this way. The church will become so rich. The church will be built up. The kingdom will come in. Oh, the Lord will come back. I'll stop here. Amen. Jesus, the all-inclusive land is everything to me.